0: Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com.
1: Another busy weekend. Glad you're here. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. We've got the Patrick Quinn working audio for us. Uh, it's it's a homecoming weekend guys Uh, Wisconsin uh, in town the Badgers uh, trying to get the revenge um, for the uh, loss up in Madison to the Illini last year Uh, Illinois again uh, you know coming off the dramatic win at Maryland more on that just a moment Um, first let's talk about a couple of honors we want to definitely get this out of the way here um, uh, Mike Uh, Seth Coleman and Caden Fagan being recognized by the Big Ten. Uh, boy, it's been a long – you know, last year there were Big Ten players or there were a lot of players that felt like getting some kind of Big Ten mention almost every week. Um, it's been a while that that we've, that we've had them on the list, and it was nice to see their names recognized earlier this week.
2: Yeah, Seth Coleman is Defensive Player of the Week. I mean, three sacks, even though they were effects of teamwork. You know, you, you saw Johnny Newton, you know, helping out. You saw uh, Bryce Barnes. Uh, doing things that helped Seth Coleman get those sacks and Caden Fagan with uh, freshman of the week with a uh, nice uh, 80 plus yard game. And uh, he had a game uh, I, actually for the whole season. He has not yet had a, a, a rushing attempt with negative yards. He's had a couple with none, but he has not lost yardage on a carry this year.
1: You know, and I think it's a difference, and we'll talk more about it here in a moment as we're going to uh, – Matt Stevens is standing by. I think it was such a difference last week to, one, have some pass protection uh, that Lute all- Meyer actually had three or four seconds to actually find – you know, go through his progressions, and to have a vertical running game. Uh, with all due respect to uh, guys I love, Reggie Love the third and, and Josh McCray, you actually watch uh, a running back actually hit the seam, whatever it was, and push forward for positive yards, and I thought that made a difference in the way that Nebraska – and its defense played against Illinois.
2: Yeah, I, I think uh, there were a lot of things that happened that game that that you didn't see in past games. In particular, you had and you had the the team I thought also cut down on penalties. They didn't provide a lot of first downs to the opponent, um, and and you you did have better blocking, even to the point where you know guys who who hadn't had the greatest games prior. We're coming through with key blocks on key plays. So I think it was a real team effort, and a lot of football 101 was being demonstrated, which
1: Coach B loves. Yeah, Illinois breaking through, now 1-3 and three in the Big Ten against Wisconsin coming in more than that game in just a moment. Let's talk basketball. It has been a long time, um, I believe more than two decades, since both the Illinois men and Illinois women's basketball teams were ranked in the preseason.
2: Ages. You know, you got to go back to the early two thousands. I mean, it's 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 such a, a a neat thing, and it really you know nobody thought that Coach Green would be able to do it in this this time frame to catch up to everybody. And um, what a fantastic job she's done! And obviously, Coach Underwood has totally um, turned the, uh, the 180 degrees the basketball program as well.
1: Yeah, fourth year in a row that Illinois has been ranked in the AP preseason top twenty five, coming in at. Uh, number uh, 25 uh, this year. And then the Illini women coming in at number 23. Uh, And again, returning all five starters. uh, They've got much more depth this year and uh, really excited to, to, uh, in hour number two, we'll talk with Adalia McKenzie, the Illini gal junior guard from the fighting Illini women's basketball team, uh, all about, um, you know, this season upcoming Uh, Friday night. It's the uh, Illini men uh, taking on Ottawa. And of course, coming up on the 29th, they will host number one ranked Kansas uh, in an exhibition and again this is um but what a game to have at state farm center the return of bill self for the first time uh in 20 years since he left and went to lawrence uh and they come in and again the proceeds of that going to maui strong um to help the victims of the uh, devastating wildfires uh, down there in maui what a 2023 it has been all the tragedies that we have seen that's just one of them uh but again make sure to get your tickets at fighting
3: Illini.com.
1: uh hey uh again it's homecoming weekend. Wisconsin in town to take on Illinois. Coach Brett Bielema talking about this matchup earlier in the week.
3: There's always, you know, it was nine years of my life. I uh, uh, got married in Madison. I um, have a lot of uh, coaches that are on that staff that, you know, that uh, are, you know, not so much now, but um, they're, they're always going to be those things. But it, it literally vanished as soon as I left there. Like it just, i had been through it before a couple other times. So uh, just have a, you know, Luke and I have known each other for a long time. I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, don't know a lot of his coaches but uh obviously uh, a guy that uh, has uh, built uh, a lot of tradition what he did at cincinnati's continued forward there so uh, yeah just just a lot of respect more than anything uh i think that where we're at right now you know to be a three and four football team i was more emphasis on what we gotta do to take care of this week than anything else um kind of like when we're in that little bit of a stretch of of adversity too like the best thing you can do is focus on the now uh and that gets you to where you want to be but obviously this wisconsin team is Transitioned a lot. You know, we've had several rematch games. Uh, Purdue, Nebraska were both rematch games, but new staffs, right? So, this is another rematch game, but obviously a totally different uh, makeup kind of what we saw from a year ago. There is some carryover on the defense side of the ball, but offensively, uh, obviously, new personnel, uh, running back, obviously, but um, uh, personnel used in different ways. So, this is kind of a totally uh, new new opponent in that regard. So I'm excited to get back here in Memorial and uh, this is our eighth week right so there's some things that we started doing last week in practice I thought our guys really responded well I did some things Saturday uh, Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday last week to kind of increase their mental reps and decrease their physical reps and obviously played a four-quarter game and played really strong at the end so
4: what's the key as a coaching staff when you do win what do you emphasize to sustain yeah
3: um, really the stay status quo our, our, our schedule for uh, Sunday uh, really remains the same when it was I might tweak it You know just because of the number of reps in a game um like the amount of uh uh, time that we devote to the opponent versus the upcoming opponent but we pretty much uh every sunday kind of put the game to bed win or lose and then uh uh, have a brief dinner break we did have a victory meal which i think our guys really enjoy i know coaches enjoy as well and then uh, jumped into our preparation for wisconsin
5: the game plan and really the execution offensively is it was that more indicative of the identity that you want to have as an offense
3: I think early on we kind of, uh, you know, the way Reggie was moving around. and Obviously, we knew we weren't going to have Josh. I said, hey, let's just go with a game plan of we're going to have uh, Caden and Aiden as the availability, and 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 uh, as the running back tandem, and, and let's go from there. We devise a game plan, and anytime he gained for, uh, 12 yards on the first play, uh, you know, it was a pretty pretty uh, impactful play, and then had a nice mix on, on that first series of some run and pass, and then. I think the third and one to converted into the touchdown next play really had a a huge part. And then we uh, scored on on series one, six, seven, and eight uh, of 12 series, right? So uh, six was the one right at the end of the half. And I'm just wondering how Casey Washington in particular has stepped into that. You know, I would say that he's probably one of the most, in my opinion, uh, uh, shining examples of someone that's really literally came from uh, when we started here. Well, obviously he left and came back, but, uh, you know, my first year, you know, he's battling out some PT time with, with Hightower a little bit, you know, and there was kind of that some going back and forth. And, um, you know, I really thought last spring his, his, his game really took a big jump, and I began to talk to him about, hey, you've been through this a lot. Why don't you continue to express your voice? Because he's very intelligent, very well-spoken. Mom and dad have raised a great kid. Like, just really, most of the time for me, um, I always tell our coaches and I tell our players, I, I coach with my back to the bench, right? So that's a purposeful thing that I do that I've done that my entire career i don't turn around much when i turn around it's to speak and say something uh i said hey is there any any voices on sunday you know that anybody would like to talk about or be out and literally like three or four of my coaches both sides of the ball at the same time said casey washington was unbelievable and and you can just see the confidence ooze out of him there's a connection between him and luke that was
1: coach brett bielema let's now bring in matt stevens he's the football writer and analyst for IlliniGuys.com. and matt we were talking just a moment ago um, you know, about I know you were there in College Park. What a difference. Um, you know, first off, with, with the offense, be having not they've always moved the ball, but actually scored this time. That's always been an issue. Um, and how that changed the dynamic of the game, take nothing away as well from the defense and uh, and the stops that they made of this uh, potent Terrapins offense. We all thought they're going to score 40 in this game and they only managed twenty
5: four. Yeah, I, I think both things are very, very true and led to uh, a, a upset when you're a two-touchdown underdog on the road in, in, a, in a conference game in which I walked into College Park thinking Maryland was maybe the fourth-best team in the in the entire Big Ten, even though they might be the fourth-best team in the East. Um, and so you had a dynamic here where I think Aaron Henry has used seven weeks to kind of get what he needs with this defense, and then you also saw guys just step up. You saw... You know, Isaac Tobe on defense step up. You saw Bryce Barnes, you know Mike Cagley's favorite player on the Illinois roster step up. Um, you saw Sed McConnell, who is not healthy, hundred percent healthy, step up in Keith Randolph's absence, and you saw Johnny Newton play three different positions on the defensive line, which was huge. Um, and then Seth Coleman reemerged, and that's that's as Seth Coleman could play in the three letter league, and I think he introduced himself to that fact on Saturday. So. And then, the, I mean, if you want to go to the other side of the ball, Larry, I heard you say it in the earlier segment. I, I think the presence of Caden Fagan as, you know, a starting running back and leading that charge was was such a big key. And they've talked all week long since they've gotten back from College Park about just having a running back who's 250 pounds who falls forward. And suddenly, even if you get stuffed, it's second and eight. It's not second and 11. And... I I mean, I know it's his first career start and I know that he's going to have so many other opportunities to prove this later on. And I don't like to lay this and I hate the actual basketball football comparison, but I asked Brett Bielema two years ago about what he said in his introductory press conference was trying to find his I.O. to Sumo. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but Caden Fagan has a really good shot to be that. And, And when you talk about all the things, highly recruited kid, turned down the likes of Notre Dame and some other big-time Big Ten programs to come here and play running back, a highly sought-out position for Brett Bielema, and is a local kid from, from Arthur. And so all of those things line up to what Io was when he came to Illinois. Caden has the absolute opportunity to be that for Brett Bielema and, and has the chance to be a, a, a Doak Walker candidate by the time he's an upperclassman here for Brett Bielema. I really believe that he's that talented. And I told somebody coming home from College Park, there's so much youth on this offense imagine what they'll actually accomplish when they know what the heck they're doing. And it's 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 actually kind of exciting to see that the president and the future of Illinois is kind of coinciding right now.
2: Yeah, I thought the resurgence of the football 101 that we saw last year was good. Yeah. Only one turnover and that there should have been a defensive pass interference on that one. only five penalties for 45 yards. And even things like the kick return games, you know, you had uh, Wiltshire had a a kickoff return for 43 yards. It seems like forever since we've seen that. And Isaiah Williams averaged 27 and a half yards per punt return. Those are things we just haven't seen. And now coach has to make that consistent. And the players can't get complacent that they've, you know, somehow won some sort of massive battle when they still have half the season left
5: credit to Robbie Disher, Mike, like you saw Hugh Robertson down two punts inside the 10, you saw Caleb Griffin kick a game winning field goal and and kick two field goals um, and, and, and look really solid on a wet day doing it. You mentioned the kick return game, Mike Canary Wilcher was on the kick return that didn't get recovered by Illinois against Nebraska. He was the deep guy. So you're seeing recognition from week to week from a 19 year old freshman of making a huge mistake and then making another big play. And that probably will never happen for him again. And yeah, he has the dynamic to be really special in that right away. So Robbie Disher, I thought his guys on special teams had a huge game and I thought it was a huge, uh, made a huge impact in in, in a game where, you know, I, I thought you're right, Brett Bielema, I thought out maneuvered and out, out, out game managed the guy on the other sideline, Mike Loxley, in a really, really big way. And he did it by trusting his assistants. Um, you know, Barry Lunny wants to go for that fourth down and go uh, fourth down and one at the two yard line and says, Hey, we can get it in the end zone here, boss. And, Sure enough, after the timeout, Mike Loxley tries to ice Caleb Griffin, and Brett Bielema goes, oh, really, you're going to ice my kicker? Well, I'll just send the offense back out, we'll get seven. you know." And, and I thought that was a huge – they've talked about the double dip, where they get the touchdown at the end of the half, they get the ball back in the first, and then they go back and score again. That's a Belichick thing. That's something that Bielema learned from Belichick specifically. He's told me that, and it really worked out big for Illinois, not only from a momentum standpoint – but it, they really were able to control the second half the minute that they went up 21-14. Yeah,
1: Illinois, 10-point uh, lead in um, in Big Ten play for the first time this year, and they held on for the dramatic uh, game-winning field goal at the end, 27-24. Once again, Wisconsin at Illinois. It's a 2.30 kickoff in the game on FS1. Uh, Wisconsin coming in about a two-and-a-half-point favorite. More in this game to come up in just a bit. Matt Stevens of Illini, guys, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. All right, Matt Stevens, guys.com He's the uh, football writer and analyst. And, again, great stuff all during the week. If you're not a, a member of guys.com get on there and uh, get your knowledge on before kickoff, 2.30 Saturday. And, of course, Matt and the guys will have complete post-game coverage from Memorial Stadium afterwards. Hey, stay with us. Coming up, we'll get the Badgers side of all of this. Uh, Lance Allen is joining us to tell us all about Wisconsin. Mike talked with him earlier this week on the I'm the Alani podcast. That's next here on the Alani Guys Radio Network. <laughs>
6: When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare.
7: 800-613-8053. That's
2: 800-613-8053. This is the line I guy Mike Kegley here with Lance Allen from TMJ4 MBC in Milwaukee. A special treat. We're going to review the Wisconsin Badgers against the Fighting Illini this Saturday for homecoming. Lance, how are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great, but do you really want to review that Iowa game? That was <laughs> that, that was <laughs> that was a tough one. And I do have, and you will appreciate this, Mike. You know, I, I don't know uh, about your you know personal life fully per se, but I do have some knucklehead friends. Like if you work in the sports industry. Uh, I think it's no mystery that you have at least a few of those friends that other people kind of raise their eyebrow like the rock or kind of look at or whatever. And at least a few of them with the dark humor, were like, well, at least the Badgers probably won't be the sacrificial lamb coming out of the West to take on whoever comes out of the East (laughs) in the big 10 championship game. So if you want to look at it that way, Hey, maybe, maybe that's the case, but who knows?
2: Yeah. And, and, and Illinois took care of that with the, uh, Purdue and Nebraska debacle. So maybe that was what they had in mind there. Wisconsin got some rough news with Tanner Mordecai breaking his throwing hand. What does that mean for the for the Badgers coming up this week? How good is Braden Locke?
4: Tanner Mordecai, the update is he did have surgery on his broken hand. He's expected to miss several weeks. You know, not sure if it's season ending, uh-huh. uh, but if you look at his hand, according to the video and, you know, you superimpose or not not superimpose, but if you zoom into his hand or whatever, there's a pretty sizable lump on there. And uh, if you can believe it, Mike, um, I went without breaking a bone bone. Uh, forever in my 53 years on Earth, but I was playing pickup hoops and I was stupid enough to dive for a ball and I broke the scaphoid bone like right there. And it, yep. So it's it's pretty close to the same area. It's not the same injury, but yeah, basically, if if it's anything like that, I was fortunate enough to not have surgery, but it's still like a four to six, six to eight, whatever you want to say, type injury. Um, And mine was a more minor break. Same thing. Like all these small little bones in your hand. Usually that's the case. If you're a quick healer, maybe it's on the quicker side. So I wouldn't expect Tanner Mordecai anytime soon. That said, you got to move on and go to Braden Locke, you know, redshirt freshman, all that good fun stuff. And the question I would get a lot, Mike, um, and we don't get to see much of any practice, obviously, because this time of the year they're really locked down on what they're doing. But when my friends would be like, hey, is Tanner Mordecai the best the Badgers have? I would just simply say yes. Because if they had another alternative, they would be looking for it. Not that Mordecai set the world on fire, but he was doing okay. Now you see it in a game, it is hard to get thrown in midstream. You know, you're cold, and it's yeah. a tough defense and a tough opponent. And you you were running the the you, you know, you were running the second team or you were running the the scout team half the week or whatever. So it is a tough position for a backup to get thrown into that. But also, I think you're seeing that the Badger quarterback depth isn't quite what Luke Fickle would want it to be at this point of his tenure. He's early in his tenure. He's still trying to get, obviously, deeper uh, depth, you know, on his team or whatever. And there was a reason why Mordecai was by far the the number one QB and starter. So they're going to have to try to get him up to speed as quick as possible. I think they're going to have to limit the playbook. Uh, no offense to Braden Locke. And it'll be a situation like Deacon Hill with Iowa. I mean, Basically, you had a quarterback, Mike, that that Iowa clearly did not have a lot of faith in him to throw the ball, didn't want him to throw the ball much, didn't have to throw the ball much with, what, 209 yards rushing. So now it falls more on Braylon Allen, and unfortunately, they have injury issues with Nochez Malusi, but you're going to have to have Braylon Allen carry a large chunk of the load, other running backs step up, whether it's Acker, you know, on down, and then, if you do throw the ball, it's gonna to have to be a lot of quick stuff to DK, a lot of quick stuff to Ashcraft, a lot of quick stuff, to, you know, to tight ends, whatever it, it's gonna to have to be a more basic Wisconsin old school Barry Alvarez type offense, in my opinion, in order for them to kind of, you know, survive this stretch, however long it is.
2: But Braylon Allen, I mean, there's a lot worse options you could have if you gotta run the ball than than Braylon Allen, who is just a beast.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think the Malusi injury definitely hurt them, uh, hurt their flexibility because, you know, Malusi's more like the, you know, quicker, if you want to use the term, scat back or whatever. You yep. saw the 89-yard run earlier this year, whatever. You know, Braylon Allen is just he, – he, he, as good as Iowa's defense is, he trucked a couple of dudes, uh, you know, on Saturday. I mean, that's how good that guy is that he can really lay the wood and bring the lumber um, and he's he's got some speed as well. Not not that he's just a, a bruising running back. So you're right in the sense that at least they still have options. Uh, but it's it's going to be definitely a little more limited.
2: Yeah, it's 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 interesting because because Braylon Allen at 245 and Caden Fagan over at Illinois at 245 250, kind of like just a slightly younger Braylon Allen back there for Illinois. Does this offensive line feel more comfortable run blocking for Braylon Allen than they would doing the uh, air raid type of uh, blocking?
4: I'm going to lean toward that direction until uh, Luke Fickle gets his guys in there, so to speak, Mike. Um, And it is interesting because, you know, not that you can point fingers at any one person in particular, but I will say this. I think that the offensive line Maybe depth and quality at Wisconsin isn't quite what we're used to seeing. We it's It's been an embarrassment of riches that, you know, when Barry Alvarez came in 30 plus years ago and said, we're going to build a wall, build a fence around Wisconsin and anybody that we deem to be a really good recruit, we're going to keep them. And, and whether it was Joe Panos way back in the day, the captain that took them to that 93 Rose Bowl team, or Chris McIntosh, the current athletic director, or Joe Thomas, or whomever it was, they had super recruits, they had mid-level recruits, and they had walk-ons like Panos that just bought into the program, were Wisconsin kids, and literally bled red. They always had at least a couple of offensive linemen that you could really hang your hat on. Now you've got a you know a couple of talented offensive linemen, but I think you know the last few years you've seen a few go to the league, and the depth behind them wasn't maybe quite as strong as what it was in years past. And I think that's where Wisconsin football is probably in the off season got to recruit a little harder, a little better. Is some of these Wisconsin kids that have gone to. Other places, um, you know, and there's some recru- recruits next year that are going to Penn State or Minnesota or this or that or whatever. They kind of got to get back to that that bread and butter as far as the recruits they want. And what will be interesting going forward, Mike, and this is a whole different conversation for another day, is, yeah, do you have to tailor your offensive line needs to more of the air raid style or are you what you are? Are you a Wisconsin you know, 300 pounders, as uh, Barry used to call them, the big pelucas up yep. front. You have to kind of adapt your air raid system to what it is in this state. That'll, that'll be an interesting dilemma, I think, going forward.
2: Yeah, that was probably the biggest thing that I saw. Uh, living up in Madison from 90 to 95, you saw these just massive people. And even 2010, probably, you know, you would see these high school kids at 330 pounds, uh, you know, they could drive block anybody. You cert- Well, I, I would
4: argue, Mike, and you remember him, like Joe Thomas went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame for a reason, arguably yeah. one of the best, not the best left tackle. So I covered Joe Thomas in high school, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, yep. but I think it's a significant story. is I will argue with anybody all day long, Mike, that, okay, I've been in the state um, my whole life. I've covered sports here for 32 years and 27 at TMJ. Uh Joe Thomas is the best athlete I have covered, period, in my time in the state as far as a high school athlete.
2: When you look at the uh, defense that Wisconsin has, are they going to be good enough to hold teams
4: down? So uh, the, the quick and easy question would be, yes, Mike. And I know you need more time filler than that. So I won't just say, <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's um, it. Thank you.
4: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah yes. It's, uh, I'm all Mr. Positive here. You know, so, but the caveat is you still last I checked, if you, if we want to once again, be cliche written or just be very simple or whatever the last I checked, you still have to outscore your opponent to win games. So does that mean that the defense has to come up with turnovers Deep in the opposing territory, yes, they do They put their offense in advantageous position. Do they need pick sixes or do they need to make game-changing plays on special teams and defense? Yes, they do. I think Hunter Waller, the uh, the safety, has had a very good season, and I think he will be playing on Sundays, as they still say, even though the NFL now plays on Thursdays and Mondays and every other day of the <laughs> yeah. week, seemingly. Hunter Waller is a guy that you look to that goes, okay, he's a difference maker. I think Jordan Turner is a guy could be a difference maker in a lot of different ways. And you've seen other guys like CJ gets who have made plays and did make plays um, You know, Ricardo Hallman had that, you know, pick six against Maryland. I think that, yes, that, that the defense, they do have a very good defense and the defense almost went toe for toe with Iowa. They just made one mistake and that was giving up that 82 yard run. And it is, you can't say, Hey, just take that one mistake away and they would have been right in that game. No, you, you have to include that mistake because they gave they made one more mistake than Iowa made.
2: How has Coach Fickle been in terms of what you're seeing from him, from the play calling and his game management this season?
4: Overall, not bad, Mike. And that's what's maybe a little more puzzling you know, when, when it comes to this is I think they probably thought that they could outscore uh, Iowa. I think they thought they could outpoint them, uh, to be honest. And I think that was – you know, sometimes you have to sit back and no offense to the players you have and no offense to the, the the program and the system and things like that. But it yes, the transfer portal has kind of made things so that you can rebuild a team quicker or do certain things or whatever. But I think we're seeing it with Dion in Colorado where, yeah, they start off in a blaze of glory, but they still have a ways to go. Or same thing with, you know, when people... Come came at me and they were like, Oh my word, you know, like Wisconsin should instantly be better. And I'm like, it's still even with the transfer portal, and even though that's the wild west and whatever, you still have to build chemistry, cohesion, the old phrase suck it up buttercup. Sometimes you have to kind of just know what you are, um, and and say, Okay, this is our identity. That we still don't have this true air-raid offense where you're whipping it all over the place. I dare I say. You know, the best days of that were Brett Bielema and Russell Wilson, and they didn't call it air raid, but every game would seem like Wisconsin was scoring 40 to 50 points a game. You know, even when they lost uh, to Oregon in the Rose Bowl, it was like, what, 45-38 or whatever. So right. uh, so arguably that was the best off for the Badgers in their history. So you're not at that level yet.
2: Well, hey, I appreciate it very much. Lance Allen from TMJ4 uh, NBC in
0: Milwaukee. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini Guys radio network.
7: don't like it, you get your money back. But you're going to love it. And you're going to love the price. Internet for your home for 50 bucks a month. That's less than 2 bucks a day. Plus, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees, and our 15-day guarantee. Call now. 800-215-0341. 800-215-0341. 800-215-0341. That's 800-215-0341.
0: The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now.
7: 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms including APR are determined at the time of your application. Based on credit value, of the.
0: What's the best way to get rid of a timeshare that you don't want? Call the Timeshare Exit Hotline. We're a group of attorneys that help customers legally exit their timeshares. It's an easy process. We guarantee results or you pay nothing. Exit your timeshare today. Call now.
7: 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093.
0: You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com, on the Illini Guys radio network. Now, let's get back to the
1: studio. By the way, be sure to check out IlliniGuys.com for all things going on Illini, um, including uh, Friday night's basketball game, the exhibition against, against Ottawa. Guys, I didn't know Ottawa had a team. Uh, but I guess they do, and 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 they they play basketball. Um, you know, good to get this Alani team back on the court again.
9: Yeah, and they are not in Canada, so there no. you go. No, Canada, it, it is it, it is good. And, and you know, this is a, a very deep team, and you're going to see a lot of different lineups, and they're going to play 12 guys, 13 guys. Um, you know, 12 scholarship players, all talented kids. So they're going to be battling for the uh, the PT.
2: Yeah, this is a little bit like the 80s. You got the, the basketball team starting up. There's a lot of uh, excitement there. And then you got the football team about ready to make a run. So um, th- th- this is the way Illinois sports is supposed to be.
1: Exactly. Uh, Illinois, as we mentioned uh, at the top of the show, coming in at number 25 preseason in the AP. Uh, And again, for all of your coverage uh, on that game, be sure to go to IlliniGuys.com, full coverage of that, and um, and we'll talk again. And by the way, don't forget, uh, a week from Sunday, um, it's the big game, the big exhibition game, number one Kansas coming in, the return of Bill Self. Uh, to take on uh the the Illini um in a game that to benefit the uh, the proceeds uh going to benefit um the Maui relief and the wildfires that we have not forgotten about our friends uh, out in Maui. Uh, but again, it is homecoming weekend, so lots going on, including yes, football. Uh, the Wisconsin's in town to take on Illinois. Illini trying to get back-to-back wins after the thrilling win over Maryland a moment ago. Uh, I should say last week. Uh, earlier this week, moment ago. Uh, earlier this week, uh, it was uh, defensive coordinator Aaron Henry. Uh, Talking And, uh, boy, the win felt like just a moment ago. But uh, it's now been several days. Here's Wisconsin. Here's Coach Henry.
10: The backup, he can throw it, man. Um, I think it's Braden Locke. I think that's his name, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I know Coach Longo recruited him out of high school. I know um, he had a chance to go to UNC and ended up going to Mississippi State. And I know that when he got in the game, the offense did not change. Right? Um, The kid has a cannon. He can let it fly. Um, Obviously, that. That sucks for Tanner Mordecai, man. I mean, he was having a really good year. Um, I I was really looking forward to to going against him. Um, He's a really good competitor. Um, You can tell um, their offense was clicking on all cylinders because of him, you know, Um, just because of the way he's able to kind of make things go, you know, and he was throwing it around he was handing the ball off, he was running the ball. I mean, he did some everything. And so um, I I know it's it's gonna be a tough challenge for them, right? They they got a, um, a, a newer guy coming in, but that's that's Coach Longo's system, and and it's not predicated around one player, you know. Um, but I do know that um, the operation of what the quarterback does is massive. But um, um this young man, he can he he can let it fly. He can throw it. He runs really well. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't foresee it being much of a, a, a drop off in terms of you know um, what they're going to ask him to do. Um, obviously, he hadn't taken as many snaps, but. Um, I'm gonna prepare for him like Tarean Motel, quarterback. Aaron, what
11: did you learn about Tyler Strang who maybe lost that starting job and then found thrown in a bigger receiver and makes some really critical plays?
10: Tyler, Tyler, as I've always said, Tyler, Tyler's extremely resilient. You know, um, you know, during the week of practice, with all our young defensive backs, we we try to put them in a pressure cooker, man. We try to we try to make it so that it's really tough and really challenging for him in practice. And when games come, they're a little bit easier. I will say this, our our offensive look team may be one of the best look teams in the country. Um, I mean, the look that Colin Dixon has given, right? The look that, that Kafka Jones has given, Ian Pugh, um, um, Weston Adams. I mean, they do a phenomenal job in trying to replicate a lot of these wide outs. And so that was partially a testament to what Tyler was seeing all week in practice. And then obviously his opportunity came and that's just, that just speaks to him. That speaks to kind of the culture that we're constantly developing, right? You, you don't know when your number's going to be called, called, right? You may not go in as a starter, but when your number's called, you got to be ready. And I think, um, right, it happened in Tyler last year, happened in this year, right? I know everybody wants to walk out there and and, and be the, and take the first snap, right? So they can say that they're a starter. But he played more snaps than any other guys who was in rotation with. So in my mind, he is a starter. Right. Um, Although he didn't take the very first snap, I'm just extremely proud of the way he responded, the way he handled things, um, how he tried to coach the younger guys up. That's always really good to see. And that's typically a sign that that you got a very special program.
1: Coach Aaron Henry talking, defensive coordinator. And by the way, guys, we should mention. um, Great honor for Johnny Newton. He was an AP preseason first team All-American. Clearly, everyone impressed with what he's done so far. He's a midseason All-American as well. First teamer.
9: Yeah, it's, that's amazing, right? I mean, that's that's big time, and that's why he's probably looks like he's going to go, you know, somewhere up very high in the draft, possibly in the first round. He, he just gets stuff done. He does take up a lot of pressure off everybody, too, because he's usually getting double. Well, actually, he's usually just getting held, let's be honest. So, uh, <laughs> you watch those video clips of his jersey being tugged, so.
2: Yeah, his nickname should be Triple Team, because it seems like there's about three guys on him at any given time. And, <laughs> you know, it's just... That's just the way it goes. That's what that's what's going to happen to Gabe
1: Yacus next year. That's right, you know, his turn. <laughs> it's not so fun when it's your turn. That's right. Gabe's watching. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of this while I can, baby. You you guys focus on him. I'm gonna go get this quarterback. Gabe Yacus, uh, by the way, standing by. Let's bring him into the conversation. Sophomore linebacker for the Fighting Illini, uh, presented by HX Home Solutions each week. Uh, HX Home Solutions, by the way, mention IlliniGuys.com when you give them a call, uh, and you get a thousand dollars off your project. Uh, hX uh happy to bring Gabe in hey Gabe how about that um you know your teammate Johnny Newton getting uh, more love here at the midseason
11: yeah uh, <clears throat> you know Johnny's a good player I'm just uh, really excited and happy from and seeing where the team has gone from so far you know as you said, you know everyone's triple team double team, teaming him so he's just a good player so all well deserved from for him.
9: David, how important was it to get that win on the road at Maryland and, and just to kind of right the ship for you guys, make you, I, I don't know, feel better about yourselves, for lack of a better term?
11: Yeah, it was a really big win. I feel like everyone needed that win, you know, just give us that extra motivation. And clearly we wanted it more than Maryland. And then just to set us up for the rest of the season, just to know that we can play with anybody, um, you know, any any given Saturday. So. It was a really good feeling. I'm just excited to see where the season goes from here on out.
2: How exciting was it when you got to see the offense? You know, you guys are, are having a good game. You got to see the offense bust that ball over in a goal line situation. And you know how hard the offense has been working on getting better at executing. Was it, was it uh, a, a big moment for you guys to see them get that touchdown?
11: Uh which one?
2: The when the 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 fourth down uh right before the half there to make Oh yeah. It.
11: That was, you know, it was it was it was good cuz I feel like we needed that. You know, you know our offense has been um focusing on um converting on short distance cool. 31 fourth and one, so getting that touchdown was a really good um moment, momentum for us and set us up for the half coming out.
1: Talking with Gabe Aukus, the Atlanta guy here on the Atlanta guy sports spectacular presented by HX home solutions. And Gabe, I'm curious, um, you know, we've talked about in terms of, you know, not just losing some games, but kind of the, the way the team lost these games. Right. And, and, and maybe some, some fans questioning, maybe there's some questions I'm sure some conversations being had right behind closed doors. Um, How important was it? Not just, not just to get the win, but to get this win the way that you did, you know what I mean? The first time you had a 10-point lead in, in a Big Ten game. And then to hold on and let's listen. We talk about the offense. Credit to your defense because everyone kind of going in said, oh, my goodness, Maryland's going to put up 40. And you guys held yeah. a pretty offensive team to only 24 points. So talk about in terms of not just winning, but the way that you won the game and what that means.
11: So, you know, Coach B, um, everyone focused on how – not to lose, but not a lot of people focus on how to win. So that was our focus point going to this game and knowing how to win and knowing how to, you know, be able to finish, play uh, four strong quarters. Um, you know, that's pretty much what's the focus point and on how to win against Maryland. Just playing a, a good four quarter game.
9: Gabe, is it? you know, you win, win this game, you get a big, you got some freshmen who had to step up. Caden Fagan had to step in and, and be your, be the running back. You've had other guys throughout this year have to kind of come in inexperienced guys. And how do you help them through this process? As a guy who went through this last year where you were the young guy coming in and now you're, you know, I know you're only a, I know you're a sophomore only, but you've got some experience. How do you help those young guys in these types of situations?
11: No, it's pretty much motivating them to, um, knowing that, you know, they're they're really good players. And most of the time, people just need to know that, you know, no, hearing that from other people that you're a really good player, you can do this in the Big Ten, the Big Ten West or the Big Ten East. Like, you can do this. And just trying to motivate those guys, knowing that they can do it. Um, you know, Kaden Fieng is a really good player. And he pretty much showed his traits on the field last Saturday. And I'm just really excited for him and seeing where he can progress during the season. And he's only going to get better here on out.
2: So you guys had a fantastic game against Maryland and a great win. How do you guys stay hungry for the next game against Wisconsin?
11: You know, pretty much going 1-0 and knowing that we wanted more than them. um, Just taking it one play at a time, you know, that's just showing that we wanted more pretty much. I say.
1: It certainly feels like, and we've talked before, um, that you know, a little there's a little different swagger, a little different you know, spark to you when we talk to you after a win than than, than after a loss, right? So yeah, um, I and I think too, what's cool is that it it puts you guys back in bowl contention, you lose that game, reaching a bowl game would have been would have been harder. Um, but now you know some of those goals are
9: still there for you guys.
11: Yes, sir. Very much there, very much possible.
9: Yeah, is there a, so when you set this goal, What I know you're going one game at a time, but do you look ahead and say, hey, we could do this? Is just now it's like fighting to get a bowl, or is it still saying, hey, you know, we went out, we got a shot at this this uh division?
11: I uh, no, I try to look ahead. I just pretty much try to go one and all or with the team. We just try to go one and all each week. Um, obviously we want to go, you know, you know, as far as we can go, but we just try to focus on each game at a time, and not try to focus, try, not try not to go ahead in the in season
1: all right well Gabe look we will be uh, watching on Saturday it's a 2.30 kickoff against Wisconsin homecoming uh, all the attraction everything else coming in uh, looking forward to the walk uh, into the stadium into a Memorial Stadium it's gonna be a great day Gabe Ocas go get him uh, you got lots of help around you obviously and uh, get that W
11: yes sir thank you <laughs>
1: All right, Gabe Aukis, he's the Illini Guy right here on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular presented to you each week by HX Home Solutions. More details on the $1,000 deal coming up in just a few seconds. Hey, stay with us here. We've got a lot more to come here on the Sports Spectacular. Heard all along the Illini Guys radio network. Hi, Larry Smith here with details on a special Illini Guys deal with one of the premier home building and remodeling companies in greater Chicago, HX Home Solutions. If you live in the Chicago area or if you know someone who does and your home or business is in need of attention, call HX. Tell them you're with the Illini guys and get $1,000 off your project. They offer full residential, commercial, and industrial remodeling and new construction services and only use the best in-class products with the top installers. Get $1,000 off with the Illini guys discount. YHX. They're experienced in business since 1950. They're respected, an A rating from the Better Business Bureau and over 100 five-star reviews on Google. They're elite. They use only top materials like James Hardy's siding. I have Hardy Plank on my own home. It's durable, looks good, and increased the value of my home. Marvin Windows, hail-proof Shield roofing, and much more. And they finish on time. None of this stuff sitting in your driveway weeks after they were supposed to be done already. The Illini Guys discount is available to anyone listening to this message. Their number is 224-880-6000 and their website, hxhomesolutions.com. Be sure to mention the Aladdi Guys to get your discount, hxhomesolutions.com.
6: When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org urgent care
1: another story we saw this week as we were talking about it here in the break um hey the nba all-star game i really like this idea instead of the whole captain's choices things and guys being split up just because the way they picked them like on the playground um commissioner silver says they're considering going back to the east versus west game um i like it because i'll be honest it's easier for me to follow that's just something. That's the reason why I like it.
9: it it's better. Uh, the East West all-star game is better. It, it's this, I, I think it all-star games themselves have gotten a little bit stale and they're not as much fun, but I, I really, I, at the time I didn't like major league baseball when they went to the, you know, winner gets home field, but it made the game actually matter and somebody tried. So that was cool. I'd like to see to do something where it makes somebody try. Maybe give somebody the winning team gets more money that'd be okay because they seem to like money
2: yeah something has to happen because you know when we were younger it was the nba all-star game was cool and now it's kind of something that you forget it's on and then you read about it the next day maybe it's just basically it's become a, a something you look at the highlights on twitter
1: yeah, I mean it's and it's it gives you some meaning. I mean, I remember back in the day, you know, CBS, Brent Musburger, you know, with Dr. J and Larry Bird on one side, and you know, it's Kareem and Magic on the other, and then you know, whoever else fill out your All Star you know rosters. Um, like you said, it meant something, and I, I'm with you guys. You know, make it mean something. And I, I'll be honest, I have no, I would have no problem giving it a shot, give it a two year or four year try. Um, that the winner of the game, that conference gets home court advantage in the finals. I'd love to see that. Yeah, Might make him
9: play a little harder. Yeah, I actually guard somebody.
1: Yeah, my ex has some defense. No more one eighty four to one seventy four scores. You know, so yeah, little, little defense. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I'm <laughs> waiting for a two hundred points for
1: the winner some year. That's where we're headed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go, dig that guy up. So absolutely. Uh, hey, speaking of playing a little defense, uh, there are some teams uh, not playing defense. High school team here with a fifty seven game win streak. Did you guys see this?
9: That's good. 57 games is good. Now I won't mention that we've won like hundred and you know, hundred and seven, what is it, hundred and seventeen straight conference games, you know, in, in softball. So I, I I just throwing that out there, you know. So it is what it is.
1: For people who don't know, Sturdy is a is a hall of fame softball coach. <laughs> like, I mean, literally, I mean, it's it's a juggernaut. He does want to talk about it. So we're here to brag for him. So yeah, these guys have a long way to go.
9: Yeah. Yeah, that's no, pretty impressive though. Football is a different animal, and that's a tough thing to do.
1: Yeah,
2: it, it is hard to imagine, you know, going out there week in, week out, especially when you have young kids each year that you you have that infusion of talent. And and as you guys know, you, you're not always guaranteed a lot of talent in every class. So uh, that's that that's sure. pretty impressive.
9: Yeah. What was game. that movie? What was that movie about? The was it the De La Salle team that won like all those games in a row? Um, yeah. When the. Game stands tall. Was that the name of it? Something like that. But you know, Eric Roberts, I remember a movie about that team that won all those games in, in California. It's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh this was in Kansas. Andale was the team. They lost to Cheney 36 30 in overtime. And that was the end. Um, they had uh, the other uh, win streak, 57 wins in a row. They had last lost uh back in 2018 in the playoffs in the semifinals. Um, and they just were dominant, winning winning games by an average of 45 points per game. Uh, and so, but again, uh, Andale, longest win streak in the country, over 57 games in a row. Maybe they'll do like the Quincy, Illinois basketball team back in the 80s when they had their 63-game win streak ended. Uh, they'd have the Blue Devil mascot come out with the whatever number of game they're going for painted on their chest. And so after they had their win streak ended in the state semifinals, they came back out with a number one on his chest for the next game for the third place game. Uh, good for them. Um, hey, yeah, I know this is really one that really is just a dagger to, to Keg's heart, but Showtime and boxing. Do you see this?
2: Yeah. The, 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 for the first time in 37 years, they're out of the boxing biz and, and essentially for the first time that I can remember as a boxing fan, Showtime and HBO now are both out of boxing and you know this whole thing where the big fighters want a ton of money to fight guys that that they who almost have no chance of beating them has kind of almost killed the pay-per-views and now no a lot of the the networks don't want to broadcast it anymore which makes you wonder if ESPN gets out of the game how do you build the stars that you get to the pay-per-view level i think boxing is going to be in some trouble over the next decade if they can't figure out how to get their house in order.
9: Mike, it's a, it's almost a sideshow now. the 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 most lucrative pay pay-per, pay per views have the Paul brothers and Dylan Danis fighting or KSI. You know, I mean, just it, it's not boxers and they make they're making bank for this stuff. So, what's the incentive? the The guys who are social media, TikTok, YouTube, whatever stars are getting more buys than guys who are legit boxers. I think that's a concern.
2: Yeah, guys who are legit boxers need to fight each other. They need to fight people who can actually beat them because people will pay to watch when they don't know who's going to win. All
3: right, keep it here. More to come after this. Hello, this is Brett Dillman, the Illinois Head Football Coach, and you're listening to Illinois Guys Sports Spectacular. Welcome back to the show. Uh, You know, obviously
1: sports, college sports, no shortage of scandals. One of the biggest ones we've seen here in the last month, no question, out of East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, Mel Tucker, finally, officially, as we mentioned, um, last week is no longer the head coach of Michigan State. Uh, Now, of course, the question is how much of that, roughly $80 million, will he get on that contract? One of the most bizarre stories of the year. Um, All over from the beginning, and he's joining us now, Kenny Jacoby. He's an investigative reporter. For USA Today, Kenny, great to have you on. Let me just say, first off, um, great work on this story. Um, there's so much to cover. Take us back to, um, I, I guess, kind of the the beginning. What what kind of, you know, this was going on, right? And no one knew anything about it until you guys broke the story, which is why we need good media. Hello. Thank you. Uh, you know, the fourth estate. Um, what was the what was the clue, the the tip that kind of got you guys started on this?
12: Yeah. So um, as you noted, the the investigation into uh, this complaint by Brenda Tracy uh, actually was received by the university's Title IX office in December 2022. Um, and of course, the public didn't find out about it until our article uh, in uh, early September this month. Um, so I had learned about the case uh, actually in May. Um, Brenda uh, reached out to me. Um, I've known her for several years uh, through some of the work that I do for USA Today, uh, covering the types of issues that also intersect with the work that she does. And she informed me about uh, the situation uh, with Mel Tucker and that this investigation was going on. Um, uh, About a month later, she asked me to start uh, if I would prepare a story uh, in the event that one, news were to get out about the investigation before... Uh, It had completed and she wanted to be prepared in the event that that happened. So in June, uh, she gave me a copy of the investigation report under embargo. I started writing a story um, with the idea that we would publish it after the hearing and, and the case was completely resolved. Uh, we started hearing lots and lots of rumors uh, floating around about the case, some of which began to include her name. And it was at that point that she decided uh, it's not worth waiting any longer. Uh, let's just get the story out there. And so that's why we decided to publish it when we did.
9: Obviously, this is like a very, um, I don't know, a touchy subject. Like like it's a as you kind of fight, kind of go through this, is this what is what is the mindset here? Are you? I mean, when you when you started, what was your reaction? Like, are you just kind of shocked by this? Are you like, I mean, how how did you go through this from a your mindsets idea?
12: Yeah, it was really shocking uh, to hear at first. I mean, uh, for, for one, just because of the the allegations themselves are are just so. Uh, unusual, just not the type of thing that you hear every day, uh, but also because of the sort of cast of characters involved in this story. Um, you know, you have uh, Mel Tucker, who is one of the highest paid coaches in all of college sports, um, and you have Brenda Tracy, who is this national leading voice on, on the issue of, of sexual misconduct and gendered violence, particularly in the sports arena, And that this all was taking place at Michigan State University, uh, which, you know, has this reputation for mishandling one of the worst sexual abusers in American history and Larry Nassar. Um, And so all those kind of factors just as a constellation together, it it was very surprising to hear at first. Um, And uh, we tried to tell the story just by delivering the facts without trying to put any spin on it. Did you
2: face any resistance from folks at Michigan State, or, or, you know, people around Coach Tucker.
12: Well, it's interesting, you know, we didn't directly interact with Michigan State uh, or Tucker until really the last minute. Um, you know, when Brenda Tracy gave me a copy of this investigation report, um, I pretty much started preparing a story, but I didn't want to tip everyone off that that I had been working on it. Um, so I did so pretty much, you know, in quiet. Um, by myself, uh, I didn't reach out to anyone for comment, and I was just for a while. The story just sat there, waiting, you know, for this case to to progress. Um, when Brenda gave us the green light to start moving forward, when all these rumors were swirling around, um, that's when I reached out to Mel Tucker and and to Michigan State and and uh, and Tucker's representatives and some of the other people involved in the story. And uh, Tucker hung up on me um, when I reached him, and uh, He he and his attorney and his agent have since not engaged with me at all, and I don't believe they've really engaged with any media at all. Um, But there was no real resistance to the story. I think it actually came as a surprise to even most people at at Michigan State that this was going on.
1: It seemed like that there were only in your, and again, reading your reporting as we're talking to, again, Kenny Jacoby of the USA Today, um, it seemed like reading all of this from the back to the beginning and and reading all the way through. That was one thing that caught me off guard was that I thought, well, maybe they didn't need to talk to many people, or this was only known by really a small handful of people. I mean, that's pretty accurate, right?
12: I think that's right. That's the position that uh, MSU has taken. They had said that uh, essentially at the very onset of the case in December, um, they gave uh, the president, the athletic director, and the board of trustees notice that a complaint had been filed. But they said that they did not share the details of the complaint intentionally. um, And they do that as a sort of measure uh, to create this firewall between uh, the Title IX office and the administration uh, as as a way of preventing any potential tampering in the case. Um, So by doing that, uh, this case was the Title IX office was allowed to sort of investigate this case independently without a lot of people being involved or, or weighing in or knowing all the facts. Uh, and they kept it that way really throughout. And I, I think it probably would have stayed that way all the way up through the hearing um, if we had not come out with our story sooner. And after we did, uh, even you know people like athletic director Alan Haller and the president, Teresa Woodruff, they said that they had read about the allegations for the first time in our story.
1: And I think, do you think that because it was a Title IX complaint, we should probably clear that up? Maybe that was the reason why this this wasn't known by a lot of people for the reasons you just stated?
12: Absolutely, yeah. It is sort of best practice for Title IX offices, which investigate sexual harassment on campus, um, to to have a degree of independence, so to the point where they're not reporting up to uh, the president or or necessarily even the general counsel sometimes. Um, and so, if, you know, for from that perspective, all Title IX complaints are supposed to be confidential unless the parties involved in them share the details with others. Now, some of the parties did do that here. Uh, uh as in Brenda shared it with me, and Mel Tucker shared it with the, an outside expert. Um, but uh, we started hearing things that you know, really, we that sh- uh that people in the local media were were hearing rumors about it, and we're reaching out to the school for comment. And those people really should not have had information about it. So that told us that one way or another, uh, word was getting out, and it seemed like just a matter of time until somebody published something on it.
9: Yeah, Michigan State obviously has a little bit of history in, in these types of situations previously. So, as you as you kind of look back at that, do you feel like maybe they have learned something from their previous issues to handle this one a little bit better?
12: You know, I actually do. Um, Michigan State, since they sort of became the face of how not to handle sexual misconduct, they really have made a lot of effort and an investment. Um, In in trying to build up their Title IX operations on campus, they hired out this huge staff and they now have a a freestanding civil rights investigation office that, um, you know, uh, that is tasked with handling all so- so these sorts of issues on campus they receive a huge number of complaints as well um they they got around 2000 uh, uh, reports over the span of 7 years so they they do a lot of work on that campus and i actually think they've come a long way since the days of larry nasser uh it doesn't stop you know it doesn't mean that they should face no criticism about this um obviously word got out and we don't know who's responsible for that um and and there is some also criticism that maybe the school should have suspended him either at the onset of the investigation or after the fact finding investigation had been completed in July. Uh, but overall, I don't think those are really the Title Nine offices uh, problems. That would those would be decisions that would be made by, you know, the athletic director or the president. And so uh, that's sort of how it went down.
2: So, with your experience, what do you think? will happen next. I mean, a lot of people are speculating, you know, there'll be, there'll be a court battle, uh, as coach Tucker maybe looks to negotiate a little bit of that guaranteed money back to him. Do you have any thoughts on, uh, based on your past history, what you think is going to happen?
12: Yeah. So there's the issue of of Tucker's, you know, $80 million or so that was left on his contract. He had signed a very unique and in some ways unprecedented contract that said 100% of the money would be guaranteed if the school were to fire him for performance-based reasons. But because they're firing him here for cause, they're saying that he's not entitled to any of that money. So he is going to, you know, he's already indicated he's going to sue the school, That he's going to try and get some of that money back, and he's alleging wrongful termination. Uh, But meanwhile, you know this complaint that was filed against him that that's still going through the process, and we have a hearing scheduled in the case on Thursday. Um, So that is going to be where you know each party is asked questions and has the chance to tell their side of the story. Then there will be a hearing report after that, which will determine whether it's likely that Tucker violated school policy. So there the there are these two tracks going on right now.
1: Talking again with Kenny Jacoby, investigative reporter for USA Today, and I'm. I hope anyone listening to this um, gets a feel for the process of what the media goes through. I mean, you don't just hear something and post it like it's Facebook. I mean, you know, you sat on the story for a long time because you had to go through certain channels that's what we do in journalism so um kudos you know it's a kind of a journalism 101 for people who don't understand how this process works um you know i think too getting back to to mel tucker and and kind of some of the the details which of course we won't get into here um i'm, I'm sure like all of us you were surprised to hear those things And i think for me that was kind of the thing later was it, he it really the smoking gun was right there on the table i mean again no pun intended i mean he he You know, when when Alan Haller, the athletic director, says in the end, we're going to fire you for cause he'd already admitted and he even said in his statement, the things he's already admitted to constitute cause. And I think for so many of us, that's what was shocking was that you really you didn't say you didn't do these things kind of right there and already out there before you even got into a deeper. um, I'll say investigation. I won't use (laughs) the word. Go ahead.
12: Yeah, Yeah, no, that's correct. Right. I mean. He he did not most of the time in a, in a situation like this, you might expect the coach to just say, I have absolutely no idea what this person is talking about. This never happened. Uh, he said, no, uh, actually it, it happened and we had a romantic relationship and that's the reason why it happened. Now, Brenda Tracy completely denies that they had ever had a romantic relationship and says this incident with him was not consensual. Um, but rather than Uh, wait until the case finishes and a finding is issued and that finding might find that he's responsible and it might find that he's not. Uh, Michigan State tried to jump the gun a little bit by saying, all right, we're not going to wait and see what the investigators decides. We're just going to fire you right now for what you have admitted. Um, They're saying that even if we were to accept your version of the truth, um, that is still a fireable fence because you still uh, developed an inappropriate relationship with somebody who you had hired to speak uh, to your team about sexual misconduct prevention. So uh, they they decided to go. I think that it's easier to fire him based off what he's admitted than what he disputes.
1: And and as a, as a journalist, just got to know, we got a few seconds. What's that feeling like when you get that phone call or get that info you've been waiting on and you say, yeah, there it is.
12: I mean, you know, right away that it's going to be a big story, right? It just, it just has that feeling about it. Yeah,
1: this is so cool. And we feel like we are cool kids. You spent time with us. Kenny Jacoby, investigative reporter for USA Today, again, who was all over this, um, the Mel Tucker scandal. Um, And it was uh, his reporting that got this going. Hey, Kenny, congratulations again. Great job. Appreciate your time. And hopefully as this develops, you'll come back and give us an update.
12: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We'd be happy to come back.
1: All right. We appreciate it. Once again, Kenny Jacoby,
0: USA Today. You're tuned in to the Sports Spectacular on the Illini
6: Guys Radio Network. When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare.
1: She's the Illini gal joining us as always on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. Adalia McKenzie, the Illini gal, junior guard for the Fighting Illini, the preseason ranked Fighting Illini. First time uh, since before Adalia was born that the Illinois women's team finds itself in the AP Top 25. Um, uh, 23rd in the poll, Adalia, what was your reaction when you heard about it?
13: I was like really happy, you know, like every team that's, well, it should be a goal, you know, to be ranked like that's a huge thing, but to make it into the top 25, it's like, I feel like it shows a lot about our progress and, you know, what we did last year. So it was really, really good thing to see.
2: What was the response of uh, the team and the coaches when that came out? Cause that, I mean, if you think about that, the last time that happened was November 6th, 1999, Larry and I can remember approximately what we were doing, November 6th, 1999. We know you can't. So <laughs> how was the rest of the team?
13: Yeah, the rest of the team, like, we were hyped. Um, we talked about it. We just said how, like, it's the first time, you know, since 1999 before we even thought of. And how this year is going to be. Uh, I know something that Genesis Bryant said. She said this year is going to be a lot of, uh, of first times that's going to be going around for us a lot of first time, you know, breaking more records, like let this feel less. And we know like this doesn't mean we just want a championship. This is just another step forward that we've been wanting to take for the team. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Don't you think though, I mean, tell me about the feeling of actually to me when, when I see a team in the, in the preseason rankings, um, I never see that team as okay. You know, they're going to win a title. I see it as really as it, it's a measure of respect. And, and I, you know, I wonder if you guys see this as the national media respects what you're doing with this program. And it's been a very long time since you could say that about the Illini women's basketball program in October.
13: Yeah. uh, I like how you said it's uh, talked about respect. I feel like that's another thing, you know, we talked about because our history hasn't always been, you know, the best with respect because of our lack of success, but. We're earning more respect, um, you know, as time goes by and as the su- su- success that we have. So it's good to see that uh, we are respected, but there's still more respect to be earned. I feel like respect isn't like a destination. It's something that's like a continuous thing, you know. You just keep earning it because I feel like you could lose respect or lose that, lose that love, like, quick, you know.
2: Well, with, with Iowa at number three, And um, Ohio State at number seven, Indiana, you know, around 10. And, you know, with uh, uh, Maryland around 14, it gives plenty of targets for you to um, earn even more respect this season.
13: Yeah, that's something that keeps me and keep us excited. The fact that we have opportunities to beat teams who are ranked higher than us Like, that's more fuel to the fire, and that's just going to, you know, help us more, you know, to just keep earning respect and just keep proving that, like, you know, in my eyes, I feel like we're the best team. So that's, you know, just proving that to ourselves, you know, playing for ourselves, just letting our, you know, actions speak for us.
1: Talking with Adalia McKenzie, a Fighting Illini guard for this uh, women's team, ranked number 23rd in the country going into the season of the AP poll. Uh, How are things on the court? I mean, have you gotten a chance to, um, you know, hone your skills and getting ready for um, the exhibition games coming up later on in the month and then the start of the regular season?
13: Yeah, uh, so we recently had a secret scrimmage. You know, a lot of teams does that. It it was a good starting point to see where we're at. Um, I feel like we learned a lot. With that game, it really just shows that, like, of course there's room to grow, but we are improving, so it was a good uh, experience.
2: Two quick questions off of that. Was it fun to play with um, the new, you know, teammates for, and then what was it like finally getting to play against some opponents as opposed to, the off season where you get to play against yourselves over and over again.
13: Oh yeah. It was really fun. And it was a relief to finally play someone else, you know, and you just play <laughs> with each other for so long. it just like, you get tired. Like I want to, you know, demolish someone else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you guys were a long way away from that seven win season. Uh, just one year removed, but it seems like so much longer. Hey, Adalia is always great stuff. Enjoy the weekend. And we'll talk to you soon.
13: All right. Thank you guys.
1: All right. Adia McKenzie, she's the Illini gal, official Illini gal, right here on the Illini guy sports spectacular junior guard with the fighting Illini team. And again, looking forward to the start of their season uh, coming up here. Uh, exhibition games in a couple of weeks. And then again, the regular season shot green year two, uh, a lot of promise uh, with this team at state farm center. Uh, keep it right here. Coming up next, we're going to talk with uh, Jerry Palm, the Jerry Palm, the prognosticator, not just about this football season, and what we're looking forward to in these final weeks, but also basketball season. Revy. Uh, we'll get his thoughts next on the Sports spectacular Hi, Larry Smith here with details on a special Illini guys deal with one of the premier home building and remodeling companies in greater Chicago, HX Home Solutions. If you live in the Chicago area, or if you know someone who does, and your home or business is in need of attention, Call HX, tell them you're with the Illini guys, and get $1,000 off your project. They offer full residential, commercial, and industrial remodeling and new construction services. And only use the best in-class products with the top installers. Get $1,000 off with the Illini guys discount. Why HX? They're experienced in business since 1950. They're respected, an A rating from the Better Business Bureau, and over 100 star reviews on Google. They're elite. They use only top materials like James Hardy siding. I have Hardy plank on my own home. It's durable, looks good, and increased the value of my home. Marvin windows, hailproof ural shield roofing, and much more. And they finish on time. None of this stuff sitting in your driveway weeks after they were supposed to be done already. The Aladdin Guys discount is available to anyone listening to this message. Their number is 224-880-6000, and their website. HXHomesolutions.com. Be sure to mention the Illini guys to get your discount. hxhomesolutions.
8: with your family's health insurance it's not worth it if you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance call right now and learn for free how to get it listen affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away so give us a shout right now
7: 800-373-8414 800-373-8414 800 373 8414. That's 800 373 8414.
0: You're listening to the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio.
1: Joining us now from CBS Sports, senior writer Jerry Palm back on the show. Jerry, good to see you again. That's good to be on again. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, let's talk a little. Usually we talk basketball, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, let's talk football. We're halfway through. Most of the teams have played half their season, at least, if not a little bit more than that. What do we know now that we didn't know back in August?
14: Well, we've had some teams that surprised this year so far. Uh, I think, you know, Georgia and Michigan being at the top is not a surprise. But right behind them, you've got Florida State still undefeated. You know, Clemson, sort of the perennial favorite in that league. And Florida State has already won that game at Clemson. Uh, started off with an impressive win over LSU and still undefeated. So um, so they've been a surprise. Oklahoma has been a surprise. Actually, Texas, I mean, it's hard to think of those two as surprises, but Oklahoma was bad last year. When Brent Venable's first year, they bounced back really nicely. Texas got off to a really strong start, winning at Alabama, and then losing to Oklahoma in the regular season matchup. I suspect we'll see another. Uh, the Pac-12 has been really strong this season, uh, to, more top to bottom. Uh, You can go almost nine deep, I think, in that league now with teams that are capable of winning big games. Uh, And you can add Arizona to that list this week after the win at Washington State. So um, it's been a really good year so far in college football, and it's nice to see some of the new uh, teams, I guess, fighting for playoff contention as opposed to a lot of the old names, which are, of course, still there.
2: You know, this weekend we saw USC – get really have its defense put into a blender and ground up by Notre Dame. A lot of folks thought USC's defense was bad. Did you think it was going to be as susceptible to uh, an offense as it was uh, Saturday night?
14: Yes, because that's what they've shown all year. You know, USC's MO is the offense is going to take good to cover for the defensive woes. And in this case, you know, Notre Dame's defense was really the star of the show. They made Caleb Williams really uncomfortable, turned USC over five times. Uh, they scored on one of those turnovers, and they got a special team score as well. So, you know, it it wasn't all the Notre Dame offense. The defense scored and the special team scored. So it was a total team effort uh, to take down. Uh, USC but USC's defense was the least surprising aspect of that game because they've done what they've done all year, which is basically nothing.
1: <laughs> and it seemed like also, boy, once you know, once they got late in the fourth quarter, the offense just they just gave them the ball. I mean, back those back to back. It was it was nuts. So let's see how USC bounces back on that. Um looking ahead to um as we get to December now, to your point, um nice to see some some fresh names in there, some names that we have not talked about uh lately in the college football playoff as we have this final year of only four teams be a lot more fun next year we go to 12 um it looks like georgia is is on a you know they can almost almost stamp their ticket now it seems although again a lot of football to be played but their schedule is just so easy um michigan and ohio state could we see two big 10 teams in there because one of them is going to go in with at least one loss
14: yeah i i don't think the big 10 is going to Put a one-loss team in the playoff this year because that team is going to be eleven and one. It'll be Ohio State or Penn State, uh, as opposed to a team that lost its conference championship game and is sitting there maybe a twelve and one. Uh, that's a much stronger position, and I think the competition this year is, is more difficult because it's not really just the SEC, and the Big Ten fighting for playoff spots, and maybe somebody else gets one. The pac is really strong. The Big 12 is strong at the top. Every league has got a chance to put someone in the college football playoff this year, and I think the committee's going to have some difficult decisions, uh, but I think it's going to be hard for any conference to put more than one team in the college football playoff this year.
2: When you look at the schedules out there, is there a team that you think, boy, they could be on the outside looking in at the end of the season?
14: Yeah, I mean the the Pac-12 champion could be left out if they if they beat each other up to the point where you're looking at an 11 and 2 champion. And that league is strong enough at the top where that could happen. We got a great game over the weekend with Washington and Oregon. That was just fabulous uh entertainment and And the quality of play is really high. And so you can see why those two teams would be in contention for a college football spot. You've got Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. You have Florida State and North Carolina still undefeated in the ACC. They do not play each other in the regular season. So they could meet for the championship as undefeated teams. That might be where a one-loss team could get in. But I don't know if that league is strong enough to carry a 12-1 team in. Uh, Florida State might be able to do it because of their non-conference performance. Um, but you, there's just so much competition at the top this year that you're going to have, so let's just say, five conference champions that are all going to be playoff quality and only four spots in the playoffs.
1: Talking with Jerry Palm of uh, CBS Sports, and again, he does the uh, the founder of CollegeRPI.com, CollegeBCS.com back in the day, and now it's all on CBS, and we love it. Uh, I'm I look at it literally daily. <laughs> I am always doing this. Uh, okay, so next year we go to 12 teams. Um, How much fun has it been for you as I know that you, you love this stuff. It's what you live for. How much fun has it been for you to you know, each week project what a 12 team playoff would look like this year? And I think some of those matchups, I get excited because you're going to have an SEC team possibly going up North and playing in the cold at a Michigan or an Ohio state or yeah. a Penn State or something. I mean, it just, it just changes the whole dynamic. I, I, I can't, I wish it was this year. I can't wait for it.
14: I do like the, home field aspect of the first round of the playoff. After that, they'll play at bowl game sites. Uh, So it'll be uh, from the quarterfinals on, you know, warm weathers and domes. But um, it's, uh, I I do like the the chance of getting teams out of the south to go up north and, you know, maybe play a a December game in Happy Valley at Penn State, where Penn State doesn't even like to play in December. Um, But, uh, you know, you get an Alabama to go up to, to Penn State or, uh, you know, Mississippi State going up to Penn State or somebody like that or Michigan and playing in December. Uh, When I was in school, we had a road game at Michigan. We took the band up there in November, and it's one of the coldest days I've ever been in in my life. So, yeah, those Southern teams are going to have trouble going north, and I do hope we get some of those matchups.
2: Yeah, it, it almost is reminiscent of the folks. You want to go watch some some old time football. Watch yeah. Eric Dickerson and the Rams play the Bears in nineteen eighty five. That was yeah. that was a why it was awakening for the Rams that they don't yeah. uh, they don't want to ever think about. Um, what are you thinking about this matchup this week of Penn State and Ohio State? How does that play out to you? And and is there a team that you're leaning towards in this matchup?
14: Well, I think Penn State's the better defensive team, and Ohio State is the better offensive team just because of the weapons that they have you know they, they lose their number two receiver against Purdue last week. They just go in the lab and get another guy you know and they, it's like they grow them out there it's it's amazing the talent that they have at Ohio State offensively it's really going to be a test for that Penn State defense um and on the other side, you know Penn State's got some pretty talented guys in their offensive backfield as well but they're young and it's going to be interesting to see how guys like drew out or their quarterback perform in a big time game like this now the nice thing is this game is oh wait a minute i was thinking it's at home but it's not it's actually at ohio state so uh tough environment because ohio state goes to michigan later they the three of them each host one and, and have a road game so this is the road game for penn state so a tough environment uh it's going to really be A challenge, you know, for these young guys to play in this environment, uh, an environment like this for the first time. I mean, they get it at home, but at home, they're rooting for you. (laughs) So it'll be pretty hostile at at Ohio State. Um, I like the Buckeyes at home. I tend to like home teams in what I consider to be relatively even games. And I think that's what this is. Uh, But Penn State's defense, if they can control that offense and they've got all American corners. I mean, this, this is a really good defense you know, then I think that um, they've got a chance to win this game.
1: You know, with this, we, we were talking on the show about Penn State and their scheduling. I mean, this this becomes a must-win. First off, you've got, you know, Michigan later, of course, and it's the Big Ten East, and we know about that. you got to take on the Big Two every year. Uh, but their scheduling, it, just just atrocious. I mean, now, they're healthy and well-rested because you had a an off week and then you play UMass. Um, you know, this defense is number one of the nation. They've got the pieces there. They're beating teams by 36 points per game. Um, but they haven't played anybody yet. And I guess that's the question is, are, how good are they? I mean, it's, it's the, it's, you're not taking on just any team. You're going into Columbus, into the horseshoe and taking on Ohio state. Yeah. Well,
14: okay. In their defense, they have, they have played Iowa. Now Iowa is a really good defensive team. Can't do anything offensively and Penn state shut them out because they can't do anything offensively, but they beat them 31 to nothing. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty good performance against an Iowa defense, and um, really in that game, Penn State wore them down because you know their offense was on the field the whole game because their Iowa offense just could not muster anything against Penn State, and that was a miserable weather day too. But so you know the the schedule may not have really prepared them for this game, but I don't think in terms of the college football playoff it matters much because, like I said, eleven and one, even Ohio State who won at Notre Dame. Is not going to be a very strong candidate at eleven and one if you've got twelve and one conference champions out there that are competing with. So these these games are really important. I think the Big Ten champion is really the only team that can make the college football playoff this year.
2: Yeah, I I think it will be interesting. I think the other part is is can Penn State you know can they run the ball effectively? If they can run the ball effectively against Ohio State, I think that opens up a lot of uh, different opportunities for them. But easier said than done.
14: The, well, the, and the, but yeah, and that obviously gives your quarterback, your young quarterback, a break, and they've got some guys like Nick Singleton, who's a you know a break a game breaker in that backfield, and they can get him going. Uh, that it really makes Drew Aller's job a lot easy, easier.
2: Yeah, the the other game that that looking at was was inter- I wanted to get your opinion on was uh, Duke and Florida State. Duke, you know, lit up Clemson early in the season. How is Duke going to be able to operate against Florida State, who looks like they've got the speed to to deal with some of Duke's um, weapons on offense?
14: Yeah, and it, I guess it depends on Riley Leonard. If he comes back, obviously that's a big boost for Duke. And if he's not playing, you know, that that's going to be a problem. It's, it's You know, your backup quarterback's a backup for a yep. reason. And, and Leonard was a big part of that early success. You know, it's funny that Clemson game could have just as easily been the same score the other way. If Clemson could have gotten the ball in from inside the ten, but they kept failing, kept failing, kept failing, and Duke took advantage of that. Now you got to give Duke credit for that because they're making the plays in that part of the field that caused them to win the game instead of the other way around. But um, I just think Florida State's got too many weapons and it's too athletic. Uh, not that Duke is an athletic, but Florida State's got elite level athleticism that I think is going to give uh, Duke some problems. So I, I I like Florida State and and Duke could get you know, kind of blown out in this game. And I don't really think it changes my opinion of them. It's still a very good football team. Um, I think a top 25 level team. But if Riley Leonard's not playing, I just think it's, I think they're different. But they, you know, they just won this week without him. So, you know, they've shown that they're still pretty capable. And it's a good defense. And that, that obviously helps. But that defense is really going to get tested this week
1: talking with jerry palm of cbs sports let's get in a quick basketball question for you as the season hard to believe is about to tip off we got some exhibition games coming up here later on this weekend and over the next couple of weeks um you know we we saw we have seen um uh some unusual results in the past several college basketball seasons 16 different teams in the past final fours um the blue bloods are no longer as blue as they used to be um how much fun is it this year is it I guess NIL, of course, changing things, um, the transfer portal changing things, but really it is one where, you know, we saw, a, you know, a UConn team that, you know, got the luck of the draw, never had to face a one or a two seed. That had never happened before uh, for a team. Um, how much fun is it going to be this year? And what are you looking forward to?
14: I'm looking forward to Purdue getting past the first round.
1: <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up.
14: No, that's inevitable. Still painting.
1: That's, that's, you know, that UConn that team was really open, good.
14: Huh? And if you remember last year, UConn started off 11-0 and or 12-0. and They were undefeated, and the only reason they weren't number one was because Purdue was. And they ended up both losing, I think, in the same week, and so UConn never got there. And they had a rough stretch at the beginning of Big East play. And then at the end of Big East play, they looked like the team that started the year and was almost number one. So we can't be too surprised that they ran all the way through uh, to the championship and they may have even if they had to play a one or a two seed but it was a weird ter- tournament year for sure uh it, with the top seeds all just dropping out quickly um yeah but that's college basketball you know and that's the nature of a one and done tournament right it only takes one bad day to go home and it doesn't really matter what you did the previous four months or whatever one bad day one bad matchup whatever it is you can go home that's part of what makes the tournament special. But if you're a favorite, that's part of what makes you nervous all the time.
1: Got about 20 seconds left here. Uh, top top three or four teams um, in college basketball as we look forward two months and we're heading into the holiday season.
14: Yeah, I, well, my top four, uh, Duke, Kansas, Purdue, and Michigan State. Uh, there are certainly other teams that are going to compete at the top of the bracket this year. I think it's going to be really competitive. You know, last year was the first time in maybe quite some time, maybe ever, that we didn't have a – a team with fewer than five losses of the one seed. And uh, we might have another season like that this year where the top of college basketball, you don't have anybody who looks really overly dominant. Yeah,
1: parody is here. All right, my friend, Jerry Palm. He's a senior writer with CBS Sports. Check him out on CBSSports.com. Great stuff as always. And uh, like I said, basketball just about to tip off. So we'll be talking again very soon. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jerry. All right, thanks, guys. All right, take care. More to come after this. largest crowd to see a women's sporting event when 92,003 fans packed the football memorial stadium to see Nebraska volleyball play. Well, it wasn't quite as many people but still very impressive. Um Iowa women's basketball, fresh off that uh, trip to the NCAA championship game last April, their first ever trip to the to the title game, uh 55,000 plus to shatter the formerly largest crowd ever to see a college women's basketball game and that was in the final four uh twenty nine thousand and change. Um really impressive uh for Iowa to come out and do that. And listen, you know, Iowa basketball, we should remember women's basketball is big. They had the the old six on six back in the day in the 70s. Um, you know, and actually, I mean they they've got a great tradition of women's basketball going back for generations there. Um so it shouldn't I guess shouldn't be much of a surprise that they've got that kind of um grassroots support in the in the Hawkeye state.
9: Yeah, and those people were just excited to see 94 points. That's a full season of Iowa football.
1: <laughs> you were
9: waiting all yeah. week
2: for
1: that, weren't you?
9: I was.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, 55,000 people is just – that's amazing when you think about that, um, the fan support that they got. Uh, they got to see a triple-double um, from Caitlin Clark. I mean, uh, that's the other thing is, is when you get the fans to turn out like that, the team – provides a heck of a performance as well uh that's also very helpful they didn't go out and score let's say three points you know or something like that that the football team has a tendency to do Or zero yeah exactly so um i i think it's it's it just shows you it shows you that women's sports has um,
1: a group of fans that are that are maybe largely untapped out there yeah, and we love it. But again, the basketball there, women's basketball, girls basketball in high school goes back to 1920. In fact, uh, the the head coach there uh, said the the associate head coach's grandmother is in the Iowa State Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, for basketball, that's how long it goes. Way back then, uh, the six on six, they went to the five player game back in the 1980s. But again, uh, and a great chance again. Look, it helps when you've got a really good team, which Iowa does right now, and probably the best player in the college game by far. Um Caitlin Clark, maybe even men or women's. Um, Caitlin Clark is just simply phenomenal. She's must see TV must see on this night as well. so it's pretty cool. fifty five thousand. even DePaul, the team that they beat in this ninety 94 seventy two even DePaul players were impressed saying that's pretty incredible to to uh, to see this. Hey, okay. Uh, meanwhile, another story that we we saw here uh, during the week. Um, the Giants interviewing uh, a woman possibly to be the manager.
9: Yeah. I, I think it's good to exhaust all your options and see what you can find. I, I just, I'm not sure that's going to happen at this point in time. Um, I, I don't think that major league baseball players are probably ready for that yet, but I think it's good to see what we've had. I mean, it shows we're becoming a lot more Um, you know, we're, at least we're exhausting all options and trying to find the best, the best hire, whether it's no matter who it is.
2: Yeah. And the bottom line is, is it just shows that there's some progress because you know, if you would have told the four of us that that, that that there was a woman being interviewed for this type of position twenty years ago, thirty years ago, we would say that there's absolutely no possibility that it could happen. Um, so that means the progress may not be as fast as people want, but it is happening.
1: Yeah, you know, this story first reported by the Athletic, and to your point, Mike, even five years ago, um, Alyssa Knacken is her name, uh, only thirty three years old. Uh, She's already the first woman ever named to a big league coaching staff. And that happened back in 2020. And then uh, last year in 2022, the first woman to serve as a base coach uh, when she uh, did that following an ejection um, with the giants. she's moved the organization now for, uh, for, you know, several years now a good, good softball player back in college. So she knows the game, Uh, but you're right. If nothing else, um, as they try to replace the fired uh, Gabe Kapler, um, you know, you kind of consider, um, you know, you've got some progress. In fact, at least she was even interviewed that alone is, is progress.
9: Yeah, no question. I I think it's good. I I think it shows, you know, you wonder about this though. How is it going to work in a locker room? That's my only question. You know, how's it going to, how's it going to play with this, um, with this locker room? It's always a question that you have. And I think there are some, you know, a couple sports where it's going to be very difficult for that to happen.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, I have no idea on that. Um, it seems to work when the situation is reversed. You know, nobody thinks uh, uh, Gino, you know, at uh, UConn has any problems, you know, in a women's locker room. So maybe you take those same rules and use them in the opposite. But um, at that point, I guess they they'll have to figure out how they want those things to work. I think the, the knowledge of the game is the key thing. And it seems that with her background um, with collegiate softball and then what she's learning here in the big league coaching staff, she seems to be at least getting that part down quite
1: well. Yeah. Well, she's already part of the coaching staff. So I guess they've got that part of the clubhouse figured out maybe, um, again, going to the miners first and then working her way back up again, but good for her and go for the giants to making this step more to come after this.
7: Hey, airline travelers, let's say you have a problem and you need to change or cancel an existing airline reservation. What do you do? Well, skywatch is a free service that can help anyone with any airline reservation fix it. Whether you want to cancel it, change your dates or add passengers, we can help fix your airline reservations. So you get exactly what you need. We've updated our computer database and now have have access to every airline around the globe. So now you can make one phone call, regardless of who booked your airline tickets, and we'll change it, cancel it, and fix it for you. We know the insider secrets to fixing reservations that the airlines don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 800-413-7158. 800-413-7158. 800 That's 800-413-7158.
6: When life isn't easy, you need health care that is. You need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. With OSF On-Call Urgent Care, we make it easy to get affordable, quick, convenient care for minor illnesses and injuries when and where you need it. Reserve an appointment online or walk in for care 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even on holidays. Virtual visits are also available 24-7, 365. Get started today or find a clinic near you at osfoncall.org slash virgin care.
0: You're listening to the Sports Spectacular powered by IlliniGuys.com on the Illini Guys Radio Network. Now, let's get back to the studio. Well,
1: I know you guys are keeping track at home because guess who's keeping track at his home? Mr. Sturdy. Uh, Me. Have, you, have you, in our, in our picks, you know, we end each show, we, you know, we make some picks, right? Have you missed a game yet?
9: One. I think I'm like 14 and one. Wow. Not that I'm counting. No, no, no of course him. not.
1: Well, no, no, because you wouldn't do that. That would be just be way too shallow for you to do that. Um,
9: <laughs> he's so I'm friendly. definitely doing that. Let's be clear. <laughs> uh,
2: Mr. Millimeter, <laughs>
9: that's
1: right. had the Greek, uh, in mm-hmm. this show. All right, fellas, let's get to it. Let's start right here at, at you know, the game of the week Penn State at Ohio State. Who you got?
9: I honestly might pick Penn State in this game if this game was in Happy Valley. I just think in Ohio Stadium, Penn State, Drew Aller is going to see some things. This Ohio State defense actually is pretty good, and I do think Ohio State's going to be able to soften them up a little bit in the middle to create some openings for uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and I like Ohio State to win this game. It, I think it'll be tight though. I mean, I think I'm I'm thinking like 27, 24, or something like that.
2: Yeah, I, I the the only reason that I hesitate on Ohio State is younger quarter, young quarterback. But then Penn State has one as well. But I just I don't see Ohio State losing this game. Their defense has stepped up a little bit, and Marvin Harrison Jr. in my opinion is the best player in college football.
1: Yeah, I'm with you guys. Um, boy, I really, really want to take penn state in this one for all the reasons i love what coach franklin uh, is doing out there um you know i think this team they've they've done everything they wanted to do right to get ready for this moment uh but brad i'm with you you said it it's not in happy valley it's in it's in the horse and with that i've got to give the nod to ohio state i may regret it later but i got to give the nod to ohio state Uh, let's go to the sec tennessee and alabama
9: Another another really good matchup, you know, it's this Tennessee offense for all of their, you know, the issues they have really been good at running the football and they've scored 33 and a half points game, etc. But it's a different defense. I think this Miami or this Alabama defense rather is going to, uh, you know, kind of control this game. I think Alabama wins this one at home um i i alabama I, I was really high on them after their win the way they played the second half against AM and and then the first half against arkansas that second half against arkansas was pretty bad though so uh, nick saban's got something to work on off a win so he, i i like him in this one
2: yeah i i don't think alabama is going to have a lot of trouble with tennessee i actually think um a little bit of revenge factor as well i think alabama is going to
1: cruise in this one and and take this one easily I've got to go with the tide. Um, I think that, Brad, you're right. The second half, they, there's some things they need to clean up, but there's there's no better janitor than, than Nick Saban, right? So um, I think that Alabama, for their struggles and um, that they are not the Alabama teams we've seen recently, I think they're beginning to round into form um, of a team that's going to be right there in December like they always are. They may prove me wrong. We'll see. Uh, but, again, one of those games, again, it's at Bryant-Denny it's a uh, it's not up in the Nalen, so i'm going to go tied on this one uh over tennessee uh finally texas at houston longhorns coming off uh, that bye week
9: yeah I, I like texas in this one man they got that's a tough bye week coming off that loss they had and then then you they, they got to take it out on somebody i think they're going to take it out on the cougars here
2: yeah i think the cougars the cougars are in in big trouble there, there's you know, you don't want a pack of cougars walking around at night and having longhorns come at them, and I think that's going to be a big problem.
1: <laughs> I'm going to pause for a moment, let that sink in. <laughs> people listening, yep.
9: Oh,
1: <laughs> You got okay. Yep, he just that
9: got was it. Mike Cagley. Is that is that
2: is it, yeah, look that I, that's isn't that their uh, mascot? It
9: is cougars. It is
2: meow.
1: All right, well, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Longhorns as well. Uh, not the same reasons Mike is going with them, but uh, I think Texas, like you guys said, that's a tough loss to sit on for a week. They've got something to prove. Um, look, everything that they want is to right there in front of them. Um, they're going to be favoring every game. They can run the table and get a revenge uh, matchup against the Sooners again the Big 12 title game. Uh, I'll take the Longhorns in this one. Uh, Cougars uh, will live to prowl another day. All right. We'll leave it there. Appreciate all the guests who came on. We appreciate you for listening as well. We have fun. Hopefully, you did too. For Larry, uh, I'm Larry. For for Mike and wow. Brad, our producer Tony.
9: Who am I? Editor John. Who am I? Who am I? What is I'm, my name?
1: Ron Burgundy? I'm, I'm
9: Admiral Stockdale, or was one that guy's name? He's like who? <laughs> <"Come laughs> <man>, where? <laughs> I
1: mean, hey, you know, I usually work with a prompter of these things, right? I'm just winging it, which is. we put it's, the question yeah. mark after his name. <laughs> I'm Larry.
9: I'm Larry Emerald. (laughs)
1: All right, guys. We enjoy, we enjoyed you. Hopefully you enjoyed us. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekends right back here next time, next week on the same station. Uh, Although they may fire me. I don't know. We'll see. See you next time.
0: ILL. This has been a presentation of LMBC sports, LLC and JM talent productions. We'll be back next week on the Illini guys radio network on these same stations across Illinois.